Hey everyone, it's good to have you on the Anything But Typical podcast, and boy do we have an Anything But Typical guest today. Yes, we do. Jesse Cole. Uh, I can't wait to dive into your story because it's really amazing. Um, but in kind of our traditional fashion, I don't want to get into your accolades. I don't want to get into your pedigree yet. We'll get into that. But what what I want to do is I want to get into your heartbeat, and this is the way we're going to do it. So Sounds invasive. It's very invasive, but it won't hurt. Um, so you are at the ballpark undercover, right? Yes. And, and people don't know who you are, but somebody is talking about you because they do know who you are. And besides the yellow tuxedo and the goofy things that you do and all that, what would you love to hear them say about you? If they were talking about you and you didn't know that they, or they didn't know you were there, what would you love to have them be talking about you? <laughs> and you're bringing up undercover because we actually do that at all of our games. We go undercover. And about me, I, this is someone that brings energy, brings fun wherever he goes. And I think that's, uh, you know, I try to channel uh, my inner P.T. Barnum, Walt Disney, some of my big mentors <laughs> who I've read a lot about and, and follow their careers. And, you know, I think when you walk through a door, you know, how do you make people feel? You know, mm -hmm. do you lift them up? And uh, I use a door as a trigger. Every door that I come through is a door. I'm going to bring energy and bring the fun. And so I hope I can do that. I love it. Yeah. That's well. Let's that's let good. the uh, the listeners at least get a little bit of the background of, of Jesse's story that we're going to kind of walk through. So Jesse, after playing Division One college basketball or baseball, um, not basketball. I can't play basketball. If anybody's ever seen Jesse play basketball, absolutely not the case. Um, so Jesse played baseball in college and then became the general manager of really a, a fledgling wooden bat league baseball team. Had I think a couple hundred dollars in the bank account when he took it over. Two hundred sixty-eight dollars <laughs> yeah. in the bank account. Yeah, right. it was arguably the worst performing team in the country. Yeah, and from that, you you turned that team around into one of the most profitable in the country. You became an owner there. Now Jesse owns the Savannah Bananas, and you sell out every game. And we're going to dive into how you do that and, and really how you've put the fans and the customers before everything else. Um, I mean, you've been featured all over the place. You've ESPN, CNN, MSNBC. Uh, now some of the stuff we're going to talk about is content as, as well. So mm -hmm. you're an author of Find Your Yellow Tux. You um, are an international keynote speaker at this point, and really anybody that goes to different seminars or things like that around the world are going to be able to have a chance to hear you speak in person. And you also host a Business Done Differently podcast. So Most of that is true, <laughs> which is great. And the rest I just said to make you sound <laughs> yes, good. thank you. But no, I mean, that's an extreme list, right? You, you've got a million uh, balls that you're juggling in the air at one time, and yet you've able been able to keep a focus on what's most important, mm -hmm. right? And so I want to Take us back to Gastonia when you had that $268. How were you able to go from such an extreme negativity and really turn those that baseball team around? Yeah, well, for, for us, it did come down to focus. But in the beginning, we tried everything. And I think in the beginning, I was doing a little bit of everything. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a general manager at 23 years old right. of a baseball team. And I had no idea. There was no one leading me. We had an owner who was great, but he wasn't hands-on. He wasn't there. He said, good luck. And I realized when I looked at the numbers and you know, talked to people in the community, they said, baseball is long, slow, and boring. And we're not interested in coming to your baseball game. And so it was then I realized, well, what business are we in, but what business are we really in? And mm -hmm. for us, we couldn't be in the baseball business. That's not a business you can win. 
right? Because the reality is we are college summer baseball. For the people listening, it is one of the lowest levels of baseball. <laughs> There's like 10 levels above us. We're just a shade above of like high school top level ball. And uh, so we couldn't win the baseball game. So what game could we win? And for us, we thought, well, not everyone likes baseball, but they want entertainment. And how can you put on a show and entertain people that they're coming out not just for a baseball game? And so I remember meeting with people in the community and going around. And I had a goal my first two months to meet with every single business owner in the community. I knew that was impossible, but I was going to call everyone I could. And, and you know about that when you're trying to reach out and grow a business. And I remember calling people and it's, oh, no, I don't like baseball. And I'd say, perfect, you'll love our shows. Hmm. And, and it was the change of the language. We started saying, we're an entertainment business. Welcome to the show. Enjoy the show. And we said, what one thing can make everyone think that this is different? And we said, what's normal about baseball? What would be the exact opposite? And our mindset said, whatever's normal, do the opposite. And so normal, baseball players play. So we said, well, what if the players danced? And that was the one <laughs> first thing we said because we knew no other team in the country was doing that. Yeah. And I often say it's, it's not the best to just be a little bit better. What makes you different and what can you be the only and I was like, we will be the only team with dancing players. That'll at least get people to say, this is something going on over there. Yep. And so, and it wasn't easy. I tell you, the players were okay baseball players, but they were terrible dancers. <laughs> it was the worst dancing I could ever imagine when we tried, tried teaching them. But I remember three games in, and I'm walking in the crowd, and a husband and a wife are having a conversation. And then all of a sudden, the wife goes to her husband and says, shut up, honey. They're about to dance. And I was like, we're on to something. We're on to something. And it became a thing that everyone looked forward to. And people started talking about it. And if you want to be a remarkable business, well, what's the definition of remarkable? Are people willing to remark about you? Right. Mm. And for us to be a remarkable business, we had to create something that was mm -hmm. so different, so unique. And it started with being an entertainment business and with the dancing players. Right. But it's an uphill battle, right? Because you didn't come in with a brand new team uh, yeah. in both situations, Gastonia and Savannah, because there was such a, a track record of not entertaining, not successful baseball teams. So your uphill battle was really convincing people that you were different. And, and how were you able to go about and do that and really change the brand of, of the baseball teams that you've done and convince these people to, hey, give you a shot? Well, I say if you want to look at your priorities, look at your schedule. Well, if you want to say what you care about, mm. what are you talking about? And so for us, we didn't talk about the baseball. So nothing we talked about was the baseball. No releases we put were about the baseball players. Everything was about dig to China night that we were doing, the dig for the yeah. diamond, the grandma beauty pageants, the dancing players, <laughs> the fact that we fired our mascot for uh, HGH steroid use back in the day and we brought in a new mascot. We just came up with all these stories. Back then we offered former President George Bush an internship with us when his, firm, his term as president was over with. Like it was so focused mm -hmm. on creating attention that wasn't baseball related. And I challenge most companies, I say, everyone has a marketing plan, but how, how many businesses have an attention plan? Hmm. What is your attention plan to create attention? Because that's how you stay relevant. Everyone is marketing these days, but what are you doing mm -hmm. to create attention? Yeah. And so what I believe more than anything is attention beats marketing a thousand percent. And so we started that back in Gastonia and that got people talking about us. Well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to jump in on, and you, you referenced P.T. Barnum. And P.T. Barnum was a showman, but I don't, I never really thought of him as anything but a huckster, too, right? And there were, there were act. I'd argue uh, that, but yes, yes. But, but he had that yes. persona, yes. right? You are so different from that because, yes, you have this marketing bent, and that is true to my DNA, too, which I love, and promotion, but, but I hear your heartbeat, which is how do we give these folks and experience how do we serve people how do we serve our 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 fans but also our people that are our employees mm. 
that is a huge difference. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's not hucksterism. That is a heartbeat and heartfelt doing business differently Mm -hmm. as well. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about that um, and the heartbeat of serving. Mm -hmm. Well, why do you do what you do? And, you know, it was tough for me for the first few years. I mean, I was having a ball, but I didn't understand really our purpose. You know, I'm just a young kid and we're giving away porta johns, colon cleansings, <laughs> having flatulence, fun nights, salute to underwear nights. I mean, we were trying it all. Um, but it really, the reality was in this true story, it was until I heard the Simon Sinek, How Great Leaders Inspire Action, the mm. Start With Why video. I was at a conference. I ran out of the conference and watched it over and over again. I started thinking, why do we do? Why are we mm. doing what we're doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? And it took a few emotional stories for me to realize it. And one of the shorter ones was, I remember after a, a game, a big grown man with a mustache came up to me and gave me a huge hug. And I said, whoa, whoa, what was that for? And he said, you have no idea how much your games mean to me. And I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, my mother and I haven't talked for years, but she came out to one of the games, watched the players dance, and it's been coming every game. And now my mom and I sit together at every game. You've helped mm. bring our relationship back together. Oh, wow. and, and so it was then that I started realizing like, wow, we bring people together and we care for them like family. And in between all the fun, the craziness, I'm watching 85-year-olds dance with their granddaughters. <laughs> you know, I'm watching all this happen. I mean, our players go on dates with fans in the middle of games. I mean, it's an absolute, but it's these special moments that I don't think people have in a regular day. And mm-hmm. it's those memories that we create. And, you know, I, I always say that nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. And that's how we've really built our business. And I think you really need to, every company has a mission and has core beliefs, but you have stories that back up those core beliefs. Mm. And so for us, it's simple. Our name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. Our mission is Fans First, Entertain Always. And who are our biggest fans? If we do a great job, there are people. There are people that come to the office every single day. And our job is to make them fans, to make them love coming to work every day, feel like they have great purpose, and then they'll deliver great purpose to our customers, and our customers will take care of our bottom line. Mm. So everything is based on fans. And so that's what we're trying to do. Like if, if you're a fan of something, you're passionate about it, you love it, you're thinking about it, you're immersed in it all the time, you're wearing the gear. That's a different mindset. So many companies, they focus just on customers. No, customers are transactional. Right. You know, they come and go. Right. But fans never leave. Hmm. So why aren't we focusing on fans every day and start with your own people? And we had to learn that over the years because we realized that that has the biggest return, not on investment, but return on purpose. Hmm. Well, that's, I mean, there are so many business and life lessons in just what you talked about right there. You know, uh, the, the leaders that inspire are not the ones that are dictating from a perch on high, isolated from everybody else. Mm-hmm. They are walking among the troops, they are in, involved in it, and they are leading by example. And your enthusiasm, I mean, you cannot help but it reverberates. <laughs> well, it's fun. Is, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, you think about you, people, when someone walks in the door, you can tell in a few seconds, is that someone you want to be around? Is that someone you want to hang out with, want to be with? And as a leader, you set that tone. And yes. so a lot of times leaders are so reactive to things when they go wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to be the proactive one. Your job is to be an energy giver at all times. Mm-hmm. And I think so many leaders, oh, we're having a bad day because sales are down or this is going down or something bad happened at home. You bring that in office, that affects everyone. Mm-hmm. You're so contagious. And I've had to realize that, and that's why the door is a trigger for me every time. And even right here with you guys. If I had a bad day before, if I'm not bringing that, then I'm not doing my job. And one of the things that we teach is 100% always on stage. We are always on stage. And, you know, that's a different philosophy and mindset. But you know what? Our fans deserve that. 
Mm. Everyone we interact with our vendors deserve someone that's on stage, that's smiling, that's performing, that has presence, that's not thinking about all the bad things that have happened today, but they are there one-on-one -on -one and being present. And it starts from the top. So there's a couple things you just hit on that I want to dig into. The first one is the actual, the employees, the people working in the business mm -hmm. being the top fans, right? And that makes sense once they're in the company, yes. but how do you weed everybody else out? How do you get the right people in the company? <laughs> so that way the culture you want is actually successful and they are your biggest fans. Yeah. And we're still working on that. You know, again, we started 15 years ago with our team in Gastonia, our, our Savannah team. You know, we're just going to our fifth season right now. You know, it was just four years ago that we named the team. And for the listeners that don't know, it was four years ago that I was sleeping on an airbed right. with my wife, Emily, and we had to sell our house, empty out our savings account. We were literally down to our last dollar. I mean, I remember going through the Walmart grocery store aisles with only $30 to shop for an entire week. That was all of our meals because that's all we could afford. Hmm. It was tough. And so to answer quite like, yes, it sounds like we have an ideas, but we're still figuring out the, the employee right. game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, it's very intentional. So we've interviewed our people. And actually have full videos of who should not work for our company. <laughs> all right? Because like everyone says, all right, you know, I need this person. Well, who should not? And might as well ask the people because we're trying to find a cultural fit. Yeah. And again, our hiring process is so intentional because just like with our customers, we map the experience. Every touch when they first buy to the thank you calls they get to when they show up to the state and that's mapped. Well, do people spend as much time mapping the employee journey, the people journey? So we think about this. We think, all right, when they go to apply, what is the best application process? How can you make it fun? How can you make it easy? And we're very intentional there. And then we have some parts that are, you know, a little different. We have a three-part interview uh, hiring process. The first thing, we want a video cover letter from you, all right? Hmm. Especially today, we talk about being on stage. We want to see, all right, when we first see you, are you bringing energy? Are you bringing enthusiasm? Are you bringing fun? And, this, and a lot of people say, well, you're going to lose a lot of introverts because of that. You're right, we are. And we're okay with that. And you know what? Because our business is on stage in front of 4,000 people, introverts may not be the best fit for what we're trying to provide. Yeah. And so we look for that video cover letter. Again, specific on who should not work for you. Number two, we have a, a, a one-page essay on our six core beliefs, which again are very simpler and simple in the fans' first way. Always be caring, different, enthusiastic, fun, growing, and hungry. We just go right down by the alphabet. And then the final step is we want to see a future resume. We don't care really what you've done in the past. We want to know what you want to do in the future. Yeah. And how does it not only relate to us, but relate to you? What are your personal goals, your bucket list? What are your dreams? How can we help you accomplish that? And then you set the tone that you're here for them. And we care more for them as people than we do for what they can do for us in our business. Yeah. And I think so many mm. people hiring say, I'm hiring you because you're going to help bring this to my business. Hire them because you can bring something to them and they can bring something to you as people first. And that's your business will then take care of itself. Yeah. So we have the macro view. And now we're just working on those next steps and how do we get better and you know from our group interview process from how we have pep rallies our onboarding i mean um you know one thing i've learned that is you can tell people we want to give this first class service we want to give this fans first experience you hear it all the time yeah but what if they haven't experienced it before mm -hmm. and so that's we know we're talking about this but they haven't done it so i remember last year when they came for the first day of training they meaning the new employees all the new game or, yes okay, yeah, yeah. all 100 game day staff they're ready to get okay. trained and we just set up a show for them. So we served them dinner, our whole front office staff. We had all of our promotions. We had a show for them because we wanted them to see what it was like to get a show at our ballpark. Even though it was a completely different setting, they weren't getting necessarily trained, but they were. But we were teaching, we were teaching them this is what it's like. Yeah. And I think that's so important. That's a reason why we surprised our full-time staff. We're going to Disney in two weeks. 
for five days. It's a big expense. Yep. But they're going to see what this feels like. And I think that's so important. You can't just talk about it. you got to make people feel it. Right. Well, it's it, you see it a lot. People talk about Ritz-Carlton, right? And they're like, we want to give the Ritz-Carlton experience. Well, most of the people they're telling that to has never stayed at a Ritz-Carlton. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how can they actually go give that experience to their customers or clients if they've never actually lived it? 100%. And so you're, you're doing that for them. And you know what? It's so crazy. When you're a fans first organization, which we're trying to be, and we want to bring that to the world. We want everyone to put their fans first and put themselves in their fans' shoes or yep. customer shoes. And um, we have so many people that now are applying to work for us. And they just said, hey, I've just been a fan the last three years. I don't know what positions you have, but I want to be a part of it. <laughs> and it's so fun. Like we had male, we have the Man Anna's, which is our male cheerleading team. And now they're just referred to as the dad bod cheerleading squad. And everyone that showed up, everyone that showed up were just fans. It was a volunteer position, but they wanted to be a part of it. And same thing, our Banana Nanas, our, our senior citizen dance team, all volunteers. Yeah. You know, And that's what's really cool. We have a banana beard character who literally makes his whole beard like a giant banana and paints it yellow and just comes out. He's like, I just want to be a spokesperson. I just want to get out here get the crowd going. <laughs> and I think that's, that's really cool because when you create something that's fan-focused, fans want to be a part of it. And they want to engage in it. Yep. And I think every company, why don't you try, put yourself in the fan's shoes? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just so adamant about changing the language from customers to fans because it's a whole different perspective. Yeah. Um, one of the things you had just said there a few times, and it's perfect because you wrapped it all together, was the idea of being on stage. And then you said that you're going to lose introverts, right? But there's a lot of people out there that they don't have the, the energy. They're, they're not as extroverted as somebody like mm-hmm. yourself. How can they take this type of mentality and philosophy and apply it to the business that they're running that still fits their personality, right? I see a, a clash yeah. there. How does yeah. that work? Yeah, you don't want people to be someone that they're not. That's, of course, that, that's, you gotta be authentic. 100%, and, and I think, you know, it seems like I might be harsh towards introverts. <laughs> Believe me, I respect people that get the jobs done at different levels, but for us, and I learned this a little bit from Trader Joe's. You know, Trader Joe's such a huge awesome. following. People love them, all right? Yeah. And there's one of the best podcasts I heard on Freakonomics about Trader Joe's, and they're very secretive. They don't tell, they're not like, I'll, I'll tell everything. Like, even if we're doing something today, this is what we're telling, but the reality is, a guy was like, I want to find out what it's like to work for Trader Joe's. So he went undercover, he went through the application process, and he got through the second step, and they have 50 people in a room for a group interview. And all of a sudden, the vice president of hiring walks in, he said, all right, who in the room would like to tell me something about themselves, tell me a story? And all 49 people immediately threw their hands up in the air. And the guy's looking, he's like, what, what is this place? Where am I? And he realized at that point, hmm. that's who they're hiring. That's who got through the process. Yeah. Because what Trader Joe's wants is the most human uh, collisions that can happen in a given day. They don't stalk at night, they stalk during the day because they want their their uh, employees interacting with their people. That's the same thing for us. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to dodge the question, yeah. but it, for me, I, our language, we want entertainers, we want on stage, we want performers, mm-hmm. we want people that are enthusiastic. That's who we're wanting, yeah. and so we're not playing that game. And But I will say, and, and I've said this before, I believe every business is in the entertainment business, mm-hmm. no matter what business yeah. you're in. And because if you just look at the, the definition of entertain, it's to provide enjoyment and to provide amusement. I had to look that up because I was like, all right, entertain, everyone thinks it's so big. Like, that's what it means. Why are we all in that? Right. So I think whenever you're interacting with your customer, even if you are an introvert, you need to turn it on. You need to turn it on. For me, they're wearing this yellow tux, this is my uniform. When I put it on, it's showtime. And I'm at a different level. I'm at a heightened state. I'm amplified. Right. And I would say when people go to work, you know, whether they put on glasses, whether they put on something, whether they put on their, their staff shirt, whether they wear shoes, 
that should be a trigger to amplify who they are. And introverts, you need to turn it on a little bit when you're interacting with, because people deserve that. Mm -hmm. You don't deserve to be treated like you don't matter. And so I, I, we're very intentional at that. So it's hard for me to go in that direction, Ben, because I just we don't yeah. speak that language. Right, right. But like you said, there's a lot of people out there that are introverted, that are yes. still running businesses, but they can take the things you're talking about and just figure out how that fits in their authentic self. Yeah, well, again, well, find your yellow tux. What's the best version of yourself? Yeah. So d- dive into that deeper. So what does find your yellow tux actually mean? I believe everyone has something that makes them stand out. It's the best version of themselves. Whatever that is, amplify it. For me, obviously, the yellow tux is this energy, is this showman, is this person that tries to bring fun yeah. to everyone. But what is it? What is that thing that you're the best at? On a Saturday morning, when you don't have anything to do, what do you want to do? What gives you energy? What fires mm-hmm. you up? And those are the things that I look at. And yeah. I know, Gary, you have a different Thrive list I've heard about, yeah. a Thrive and a Wither. Mine's the energy list. Yeah. And I look at my schedule. What am I, am I doing things that give me energy? And then I look at that. You know, that's what in my yellow tux you know, unique set of abilities is. For me, it's sharing what I'm doing right now. It's creating, which we're doing right now. And it's growing, which I'm doing right now. I am fired up with energy right now, guys. <laughs> You're serious. Yeah. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, it's interesting. The the energy level or in the Thrive Wither thing yes. that I, that's the most simple thing that I have ever done. And it's probably the most impactful thing for leaders and people yeah. can, can you describe it a little bit more? Because I know a lot of people that are listening to this, they, they know that, but not everybody does. So sure. can you dive deeper, Gary? Basically, um, in 1993, when I had discovered a partner's improprieties, and it knew, I knew that I was going to have to leave the city that I mm. grew up in, basically, because my name was on the door. And I didn't want to destroy him, but I was going to have to destroy him to out him. Um, I put together this list of what makes me come alive, energy list, right? And I call it Thrive. And and so basically, I take a, a piece of paper and draw a vertical line down it and do like a T-chart. On the left-hand side, Thrive. On the right-hand side, Wither. And start with what makes you come alive. And then... On the antithesis of that, I go, well, right, what makes you wither? You know, and I know for me what those things are. And even at 31, when I had that decision of I'm going to have to leave this city or destroy this guy, wither, like I knew enough even at that point, like I like idea generating. I like team. I don't like being a solo act. I'm a drummer. But even drummers get tired of hearing drum solos, right? I mean, they're good heartbeat instruments, but they're crappy. Yeah. You, you know, you can't do kumbaya for hours by a fireplace, you know? <laughs> um, but that's how I know I, I will wither if I'm just in a solo yes. act, right? Yeah. So typically what we'll do on a yearly basis with management teams is I'll have them go through that list because as they're growing and you know this as well as you've grown your company you have to do less and less and push more and more down but you start accepting roles and responsibilities along the way because there's nobody else to do it Mm -hmm. so in many cases you're starting to add to the wither category almost like barnacles on a boat Mm -hmm. you don't know it that it's slowing you down until you dry dock it and then all of a sudden you scrape those barnacles off and holy moly yeah so I like doing that responsibility sharing, that understanding what's in your wither column and other people around you that may say, oh, well, that would actually make me come alive. 100%. You know what I mean? And it seems like you're pretty dialed into that. That's one of the things that I loved about your book in particular was 
it's a fun read. I mean, I could not put it down, but I got yes, the the showman part and all that, and not everybody can relate to that. Be, you know, go to corporate America, but the heartbeat of what you're talking about applies, I think, universally. Oh, yeah. Because it is about, is it about me? Is it about you? Yeah. You you clearly are like, hey, I want it to be about you and not me. Yeah. Even though you're wearing a yellow tux, that's the dichotomy. <laughs> well, for us, that, that's where it starts. For us, it starts with attention. If you don't have the eyes and ears of your customers, of your people, you're in trouble. And when we went in Savannah, we were doing things like everyone else. We had zero attention. So people couldn't even, <laughs> could, people couldn't even feel our heartbeat. Heartbeat. They couldn't see who we are until we got the attention of naming the team the Savannah Bananas and coming up with all those ideas. So talk about the name of the team before that. Oh, geez. Well, there was a former team that we don't even say their name, but San Nats <laughs> is, is, is what it is. I don't, know, I don't even like saying it. It's like a, it's a four-letter word for me. But um, yeah, so th- th- there was the San Nats team there, and there was other teams, and you know they just unfortunately failed for many years right. because it was about the baseball. It wasn't this. I mean, we are relentlessly obsessed with the fan experience. We think about every single thing because I, I heard Simon Cowell say this the other day. He's like, you know, I just, I would just find talent whether I liked it or not. If I don't like it, I don't hmm. want to, if I like it, I'm in. If I'm bored, I don't, I'm not in. And like for me, I'm like, hmm. I played baseball my whole life, all right? And I can't watch a whole baseball game. <laughs> I understand baseball, fortunately, probably the, more than 99% of the fans that come to the games because I was in it at a college level and, and had that experience, mm-hmm. but I can't watch it. So how can I make it nonstop entertaining and fun and not, where I don't get bored? So I'm constantly thinking about that, and it's every little touch. I'm obsessed with, th- if there's a piece of dead air during our game, if there's a fan waiting in a line for an extra 30 seconds, if there's a piece of trash that's down there, those are things that I don't like, and I'm obsessed, and it's kind of permeated throughout our organization. And you know, you can say what you want about Jeff Bezos, but there's no one that's more obsessed with their customers than him. And he's so focused on an easier experience constantly, and it's why they're winning. Hmm. And so, you know, everyone's focused on short-term, you know, what's our quarterly profits? What's our quarterly revenue? Focus on the metrics that matter most to your customers. Hmm. How long do they wait when they pull up to your place? What, what about the voicemail? What about a response from an email? What are the metrics that, rem- that re- matter most to your customers? So we're constantly looking at those. You take care of those, the bottom line will take care of itself. It's the simple stuff that's that we often overlook, right? But, but it's tough because everyone's so used to looking at numbers, 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 numbers. That's how everyone's been judged. It's, mm-hmm. it's for our athletes here. It's the stat, statistical world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I was a stat guy. What's my batting average? What's my ERA? That's how we were focused. But no, like, are the people watching you enjoying it? Is it a great? Yeah. If you do that, more people will be watching you. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a different way of looking at it. Um, you hit on on a piece that is. New, your your fans don't probably don't know this yet, but it's something new that's coming this year. People talk all the time about customer experience, right? But it's never, almost never, their north star. But you're doing something this year where you're actually sacrificing revenue to make sure the customer fan experience is better. Can you dive yeah. into that a little bit? Hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. probably millions of dollars, we are sacrificing. Yeah. And this is not in the book because this is recent because. What I believe, and again, one thing that we talk a lot about, which is, is new to us, is how do you create you wouldn't believe moments? So I believe uh, there was above and beyond service, there was wow, wow moments, but the next level is you wouldn't believe. That's a ripple effect where people <laughs> literally will go tell everyone, you wouldn't believe what, what happened when I went to the ballpark. You wouldn't believe this restaurant, how they treated me. You wouldn't believe, you wouldn't believe. How do you mm. create that? And so for you wouldn't believe, for us, the definition is something unexpected, something dramatically different, something that provides positive emotion. So how do you create those? So we're constantly focused on that. And the first step to create you wouldn't believe moments is what I call the mirror moment. 
and you have to eliminate the things that aggravate your customers. Mm-hmm. You know, get rid of the friction points. Get rid of the things that are frustrating. And for us, it started with baseball was too long, too slow, too boring. We made it fun, all the promotions. The next thing, you get nickel and dime at a ballpark. Hmm. So every ticket for us is completely all-inclusive. All wow. your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken sandwiches, your soda, your water, your popcorn, your dessert, everything for 18 total dollars, including your ticket and your parking and everything. Because, wow. All right. Because, again, what's a frustration? You go to a ballpark and you get nickel and dime. So every day we are looking at what are those little frustration points? What are those things that aggravate and how do we eliminate them? So, you know, two months ago, we made everything free shipping. That cost us thousands of dollars because we don't, you don't pay $99 for, you know, Bananas Prime. We're not making our fans do that like Amazon. Oh, it's just completely free shipping. Because, again, I think it's, it's not a good experience. I get upset when I go buy a $24 shirt and it's $32 yeah. because of shipping. That's a frustration point. Eliminate it. Mm. We don't have extra convenience fees because that's the most inconvenience fee there is in the world. We don't have those. So keep going down that line. I kept thinking. I said, all right, when people go to a ballpark, they don't want to be advertised to. They don't want to be marketed to. They don't want to be sold to. I don't know one person in the world that wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I hope I'm sold today. I hope someone markets something to me today. I want to be, ugh, I want to be advertised to today. No one. It's noise. So why are we doing that at our ballpark? And the reality is every ballpark, every arena, every stadium in the world, they put ads on everything. Mm-hmm. You name it. They will yeah, find, oh, there's true. a new place for an ad. Oh, we can put them on our jerseys now. Let's put them on our players. Oh, we can get tattoos on our players next year with ads of companies. Right. It's getting outrageous. And it works. People pay money sure. for it. It works. But but we're not doing that. Yeah, that you're literally cutting out millions of dollars, which yes. people that, that don't know the yes. baseball industry at all, unless you're at the professional level, and even it's getting to that point, it is all about sponsorships and, and yeah. partnerships so, so in yes. order to even be profitable. So, and you're just cutting that out. So we're about to announce at the end of February here, it's we're creating our first ever ad-free ballpark. Yeah. And so there will not be one billboard, not one program ad, not one announcement, throwing away thousands of dollars because we are focused on long-term fans, not short-term profits. Yep. And so when people come to our ballpark, they're going to be, it's all for them. And we're even going as far, you know what? We're giving the ballpark back to the fans this year. Fans are going to get the opportunity to sign the wall, to put their name on our 1926 <laughs> ballpark. We're having the, the fan wall, all right? Eventually, we're going to keep looking. That's a phase one. We're going to go phase two. Maybe we're going to start looking at how can we get fans actually walking on the field, not just before the game, not just after the game, maybe during the game. These are things that we're exploring. How do you give it back to the fans to give them experiences they can't have anywhere else? And that is, does not include something like getting advertised to over their head over and over again during a game. We're saying goodbye to it. That is so fascinating. We've talked about this in the past of some of the groups that I think are the most differentiated in non-differentiated categories. So you mentioned Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. Most differentiated experience that I can think of mm-hmm. going into a supermarket. Yep. Southwest Airlines. Yep. Those guys are, if you're not laughing, then somebody's in the cockpit or you know walking the aisles is probably sick but they wouldn't like it's just an interesting experience it's fun experience chick-fil-a same thing where they said no based on their values no we're not going to work on one of the biggest retail days in the fast food business yeah and and the numbers for chick-fil-a are staggering right now it's it's amazing they're doing two or three times more their top competitor and they're closed 52 sundays right (laughs) it's just it's just amazing so i love you know the topic of this podcast being doing business differently. Oh man, there's so many nuggets that you're talking about here. I want to hear a little bit more about Disney because Disney, um, 
that's not P.T. Barnum and in in still magical, but it's magical, yep. right? And so, talk to me about some of the things about Disney that you aspire or you you felt like you were learn learning from or being. Uh, inspired to sure. be more like. Sure. I mean, well, every keynote I give, I, I quote Walt Disney uh, numerous times. His vision, uh, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. All of our dreams come true if you have the courage to pursue them. He had a different vision. He was thinking so far ahead of his time. Um, but for me, my, my Disney experiences are personal. Um, I remember as a kid, uh, my dad would take me there every year if he got his bonus. It was a big deal. <laughs> I would get to go to Disney World. I thought Disney World was like $50,000. I when I'm really I'm like it's expensive, but I didn't realize because it, it was made like the biggest deal in the world. And uh, I remember vividly huh. Typhoon Lagoon, and I would I was a uh, was eight years old, and we get we'd go early because we wanted to get the best you know the best seat right near the wave pool uh, on the lounge chairs. And a woman came out with a couple characters said, "All right, it's time to find our big Kahuna of the day." And I was like, "Dad, big Kahuna!" And, he, and they're like, "We're gonna ask some questions, and whoever gets this gets to be the big Kahuna." And I'm like, literally. Uh, like trying to figure out and that day I didn't get it right but then that night I studied I was letting like, everything on Typhoon Lagoon I was asking my dad questions I was looking at the brochures they had I go dad I want to go back the next day I want to be the big kahuna and so the next day I come out and they ask the questions I nail it I know how far the water goes up off the spout on the thing I knew all the answers so they let me in 30 minutes early they're guiding me around taking me down on the slides they're treating me like I'm an absolute superstar and I felt I was the only person in the entire with my parents in the entire theme park and at that moment, I'll never forget, they gave me a medallion, which I still have to this day. Literally, I got it's eight. The big kahuna of the day. And since that moment, I was like, wow. They just focus on, can they make one person here and there have a magical experience? Mm. And from that, we've developed one fan a day. And even in the off season, our staff will call one fan a day. They'll send a video to one fan a day. We'll send a handwritten card to one fan a day. And it's how can you make people feel special? Disney made that to me when I was eight years old, and I'll never forget it. And now, as I shared before, we're surprising our whole staff with a trip to Disney so they can actually feel what it's like. Because, again, you have to feel it to be able to do it. And mm -hmm. so uh, Disney, they're just they're a model because they're constantly thinking, how do they create those magical experiences? And what we call is you wouldn't believe moments. Mm. Powerful, man. I, I, I even love how you branded that. I mean, you're intentional about your language. Right, fans first. Yeah, yeah. Intentional and meticulous about everything. I mean, your your experience for these fans and for your employees, you've got completely mapped out, and and it changes all the time. Like you had said earlier, it's not it's not set in stone, yeah. but you map out everything from when they're thinking about buying a ticket to two weeks after the game that they actually attended, you've got everything figured out from there. Well, and again, it's constantly evolving. So, Gary, I don't know how much I share in the book. It's, it's definitely evolved over the last few years because we're continually putting ourselves in our customer's shoes and what does it look like to be a fan. And so, yeah, as soon as someone buys a ticket from us online, they get a video sent to them. And the video says it's their payment confirmation. But again, look at all those boring things in your, in your business and make them fun. Look at all mm. the mundane and make them yeah. memorable. And look at the things that are just normal and make them remarkable. And that's how we try to look at everything. So normally you get a payment confirmation, no one pays attention to it. For no, us, you just mark it as red and yeah, move on. Yeah, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. There's every, this is any business, whether you're a baseball team or whatever. Look at all those boring things that you have, whether the terms and condition papers, your email signature, your voicemail, your hold music. Turn the normal into remarkable. And so we do that. And, and so one thing is when they first buy a ticket, they get a video and it starts with me. Zoom in on me. It says, congrats, you just made the best decision in your day. Right now as your ticket order came in, a high priority siren went off in our stadium and our Bananiacs rushed to the ticket laboratory. And as they went to the ticket laboratory, a banana nana slowly walked in and hand selected your tickets. And we placed your tickets on a silk pillow 
we raise the silk pill up to the air and we sing na savenya nahi to celebrate the birth of a new fan. Now we walked your tickets down to our vault where they're in maximum security, ready for you to go bananas. And that's the first thing they get. That is awesome. And the video is ridiculous. <laughs> a lot of people are like, what just happened? They send an email back to us. Um, but then the next step is, is you know, we send them a thank you call. And I don't know how much you want me to go through this, but I'll do a little bit. Not as much as you'd like. The next step, we send them a thank you call. Because how many times do you buy a ticket to a concert or an event and you actually get a real thank you call? And so yeah. we, we call and just say, hey, we just want to thank you for going bananas. And some people say, did my credit card not work? We're like, yeah. no, we're just calling you to thank you. Well, I, I think it's important for us to keep going through this, not yeah. just one or two things. And the reason why is... Uh, it's easy for us to talk on a macro level, yeah. right? And people are going to listen. They're yeah. going to get excited a little bit, but don't really know what it looks like. Yeah. And, and so what you're doing right now, and we'll, I'll let you jump yeah. back into it, but you're showing everybody that's listening, this is what we've done. This is how we do yeah. it. Now just figure out how it fits your business. Yeah. Well, we map the moments. Yeah. Again, we went from in the beginning in Savannah trying every form of marketing, and we were failing. When you're doing things like everyone else, you're going to get results like everyone else. And so we believe normal gets normal results. It's a marketing at work. We were spending stupid amount of money and failing. Now, four years later, we spent zero dollars, zero dollars on marketing. And yet we've sold that every game because who's doing the marketing for us? It's our people. We're putting our investment, not just our money, because a lot of it's not money. It's just our time into the ideas that can get our people to be feel like they matter and want to tell everyone about it. And we always say outthink, don't outspend. So that's how we're thinking. Outthink every little piece. So yes, the thank you calls. Now we call everyone and I'll give you an example. This is kind of the culture that we're trying to build. Um, we just hired an intern uh, about two weeks ago, and he showed up the first day, and part of our whole first day, you know, we spray him with silly string, we have his favorite breakfast, we make it a whole celebration. I mean, they're like, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> and part of it is a very intentional. Within the first hour, myself and my wife, Emily, who own the team, we spend an hour with the person and just want to get to know them, their story, get to know them more, because they're hired without us. You know, we're, we're not part of that process anymore. And I always ask at the end, I go, what are some things you want to do? What are some ideas you want to bring to the team? And I'll never forget Austin. It was just a couple weeks ago. He said, well, I, I love the thank you calls. You know, I've come to a game. I've got a thank you call, but I think they could be more fun. And I go, awesome. What do you have in mind? He goes, well, you know, uh, I was, I was, and he's very nervous. And he's like, I was thinking, uh, I, 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 it could be, a, it could be a rap. And I go, a rap? He goes, like, like a rap rap? He's like, oh yeah, like a rap. I go, amazing. I go, perfect. By the end of the day, you're going to do one. And he goes, what? I go, he started turning bright red. He goes, he goes well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of awkward. I'm kind of socially awkward. I don't know if I'd be good. I go, no, perfect. I go, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And he goes, well, I don't know. I go, they'll probably laugh. I go, write a rap. By the end of the day, you're going to do it to a fan. He goes, okay, well, I'm still kind of awkward. I go, it's perfect. You'll be Austin, the awkward bananas rapper. And he's so, so he's like, all right, I'm Austin, the awkward bananas rapper. So by the end of the day, he's writing raps. His face is red. He's just working all day. He's like, Jesse, I think I, I, think I got one. And whatever it was, I was going to approve it because I just wanted him to do it. Yeah. And so he gave the rap and it called a fan. A fan answered. He goes, hi, this is Austin, the awkward bananas rapper. I'm here to fill your day with fun, joy, and laughter. And he starts just going on this rap about, thank you for your perch. I hope you enjoy your new merch or whatever. It was a ridiculous rap. And he got through it. And the fan kind of chuckled. He goes, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I go, it wasn't that bad, was it, Austin? He goes, no, it was kind of fun. <laughs> and so what happened was now he literally writes raps every day and does raps to our fans. He is Austin, the awkward bananas <laughs> rapper. And, and my point is, is what we've learned is empower your people to try things. Yeah. We are so into constantly experimenting. So I know I went on the aside there, but no, that's it. It's, I ev love it. it's evolving. And so every day we say, if you want to be a culture of ideas, a culture that's going to continue to try to get better and a better fan experiment, uh, experience, you got to experiment constantly. And that's who mm -hmm. we are. And some experiments don't work as well. 
like the living pinata. <laughs> like where we put actually sounds dangerous. Yeah, where, 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 we, where we had an intern get in a costume and we had kids with plastic bats, you know, hit them while they threw candy in the air in front of the fans. That didn't that didn't work as well. What so, could go wrong with that? No, we weren't thinking. We weren't, we weren't thinking as much. So some experiments work as well. But my point is that was part of the process. So now our thank you calls, they're getting wraps. And then, you know, again, I won't go too much further, but Ben, a little bit. Now, our ticket experience corner there. And again, this isn't coming from the top because we created an idea culture. Yeah. Our ticket experience corner said, you know what, Jesse? I think we're missing a point in the, in the, uh, in the process and how we can map the moments. I go, what do, you, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, we do, we do the fun video. We do the thank you call. And then they don't really see anything until they get to the ballpark. I go, what do you have in mind? He goes, well, we need to send them a pregame playlist. I go, really? He goes, he goes, yeah. I go, we're going to put Can't Stop the Peeling on there. We're going to put Banana Songs. We're going to put, we can maybe put our players saying things and record them. And so now he sends a pregame playlist. Mm. So we're even thinking about it when you're on your way the to the game, there. Wow. the drive there. And so that's how we're constantly evolving. And again, it, it starts with one thing. Now we map the experience. Yeah. And when you show up to the games, you'll see our parking penguins, you know, people dressed up in penguin costumes parking your car, which doesn't make any sense, but we think it's fun. <laughs> and now last year they started passing out Freezy Pops to the kids. And then you'll have our players in full uniform passing out programs. And you'll have our pet band playing Final Countdown and Rocky music. And then you'll probably see our professional high-fiver, which, yes, we actually hired a professional high-fiver. And it wasn't easy. It, it wasn't easy. I, we tried to find everyone. No one wanted the job. So it was, wow. finally, it was finally two weeks before the season, a mother walks in with a six-year-old kid. And the six-year-old kid comes in the office and starts high-fiving everyone in the office. <laughs> I said, you got the job, kid. And so he showed up that first day. We got him a jersey. It said hi on his back is his name and his number five. And we said, your goal is to high-five 1,000 to 2,000 people a night. And he's like, I can do it. And he said he goes from section to section high-fiving people. And he has a counter. He keeps track. And so he gets in front of the line wow. when they're coming in and he's high-fiving. And we actually pay him we're probably breaking every child labor law there is <laughs> but but we pay him because the reality is we'd rather invest in that experience and invest in that story than invest in marketing like everyone else and when you constantly think of those touch points mapping those moments you don't have to do the marketing because everyone's talking about you you know i want to interject one thing that kind of dovetails into that that's completely different business but think of payroll think of you know okay you got paid today mm -hmm. Um, we brought on a new client and she said, hey, um, I'd like to keep my payroll company because it's called Gusto or Gusto. It depends. <laughs> you know, gusto, Gusto. But I, when I was, uh, I actually got paid like that and you get a, an email and it's, hooray, you got paid today. You know, you get this email and it's fun and like something so simple, so yeah. stupid simple. Well, when you pay your bills, when you pay your voicemail, can you put a fun note? Can you put a fun comic? comic? Right. You know, our finance person would put a fun comment and say, hey, thank you so much. You're, you're, the person that comes, our, we have our postman, uh, post, postmail service that comes in and picks up all our packages every day. You know, we have special little gifts for them and little things that we give them as treats. Because again, like how can you, every touch point, you think about it, they're coming into our ballpark. And so a thing I just did a month ago, it was really bothered me because, you know, you get the experience during the season. You know, there's the live band, the pep band playing out there. There's the banana nanas. There's our DJ peels on wheels. There's all <laughs> these things that are happening. It's a circus. But what about in the off season? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't think about all those different things. The off season, we have people traveling from all over. They want to get bananas gear. And they come in and it's quiet. You don't have that same energy. So I invested in speakers that are going outside of our office, playing energized music, which I had the whole staff come up with their own the playlist. I said, mm. bring energy. And we have it playing all the time. The energy in the office and with fans coming in. And now the next step, can we get banana lays that we put over them over there? Can we give them banana treats when they come in? We're not there yet. But those are the things we're thinking about. And I think 
How can you look at all those normal instances and make them remarkable? Have you seen any other teams that are trying to emulate or what's that reaction other than like, wow, those guys are different? <laughs> um, there's a lot of teams that do a great job. You know, I, I'd be remiss not to, to mention Mike Vec. And when I was 23 years old, I went to his conference. And uh, Mike Vec owned, owned the Charleston River Dogs. He's really well known for the St. Paul Saints. Um, his father, Bill Vec, is the famous owner that had the midget come up to bat, would give away live lobsters during a game. He let the fans manage a game. I mean, he was brilliant. And Mike did Disco Demolition Night, which was famous for many different reasons. <laughs> um, but Mike has had, you know, nuns in the crowd giving massages to fans. Uh, he's had mimes doing instant replay. He's done some really wild things. Um, by the way, he actually that that's inspired me. I want to have a I want to have a mime coaching first base this year, who's literally stuck in the first base <laughs> box trying to give signs while coaching first. Um, that's another dream of mine. But. Um, Yes, like St. Paul Saints, um, there's some teams that are doing things really, really well. The thing that we are so lucky to do is, lucky to have, is that there's no red tape. When you get into minor league baseball, professional baseball, again, going into what can you be the only, a lot of teams can do some of these crazy promotions. They have limitations, but they can't do a lot of things with their players. That's the biggest differentiator we have. Our players literally will pass out roses to fans in the middle of the game to little girls in the crowd they'll do conga lines through the crowd like i said our players go on a date with a fan every night during the game they are on the dugouts dancing we do uh ring <laughs> ring dudes at the ninth inning you know in boxing when you hold like uh the, the, the what round it is yeah. the girls that do it we said let's have dudes do it and we had some like our characters <laughs> do it and the players like i want in on this so literally the players start getting on the dugout ripping their jerseys off all right they're shirtless going on the dugouts and fans are throwing them dollar bills which I probably can't say that because the NCAA violation. Don't worry, they didn't take it. Um, that's like that's like what was happening. And so, and here's the feedback. It's a feedback loop. You can't do that in minor league baseball. Right. You can't do that in professional right. sports. So why do our players want to do it? Because when they do it, their fans give them so much praise, so mm. much recognition. If if you're getting recognition for something, you want to do more of it. And after the games, we're so intentional. Our players are waiting at the gates when the game ends just to thank every fan. And what happens is the fans are thanking them. And there's hugs and there's dancing. We have the pep band and the DJ going back and forth. And it's a party. The players are dancing with the fans after the game. Hmm. Why would they not want to do more of the entertainment? And, and the last thing I'll say on that, Ben, the craziest is that we've won more games than any team in the league over the last four years, including the championship. Hmm. And it's proven. We had a, a professor do a study on the stats of the players in all the league. When you create a better culture, have more fun, and have a better atmosphere, you perform better. Right on. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I see that all the time. Yes. And decades ago, it seemed like, especially in corporate America, but it seemed like, oh, well, that's fluffy. Yeah. That's marketing. It's feel good. Go back and blow up the balloons in the marketing department right. or whatever. But I've seen it emphatically to where business, and I'll, I'd put money on any <laughs> management team that truly has clarity of where they're going and it's clear you've got a clear vision of where do you want to go what does this look like you're not micromanaging you're empowering people to hit a vision you've clarified what the vision is they are working on a few priorities and and executing well against those things but you're um you're empowering people to be who they are and you're embracing the fact that, hey, business should be fun. Why shouldn't it be? Right. It's so simple. Why shouldn't it be? Life should be celebrated. So you got to stop doing the things that aren't fun. 
and you said micromanagement. No one wants to be micromanaged. No. You know, no one wants it. That's so, so you eliminate the things that people don't want. And I don't believe anybody, like there's there's between training and actually coaching and mentoring. You know, dogs are trained. Humans are coached, they're mentored, they're educated. I don't believe mm. people want to be trained. They want to be coached, they want to have a mentor, they want to be yeah. led. And no one wants to be managed. No one wants, I hope I'm managed today. No, I want to be led today. So the language that we've all talked about today, that's so intentional because that's what your people are utilizing. If they're saying managing, managing, we don't have any managers in our titles. We don't have a GM, we have a president, we have a vice president. We don't have anybody in sales in their title because we don't consider ourselves salespeople. We don't even have marketing because we're not doing marketing. Right. So even your title matters so much and it's not just because of you, it matters what does it say about your business. And so that's something that Ben, I haven't talked much about, but the language is everything yeah. because right. it permeates throughout your organization, also permeates throughout your fans, your customers, your vendors. How are you utilizing language and it has to be intentional. But that goes back into your idea culture, right? Mm -hmm. So you've created this culture that breeds ideas and we've hit on, I, I should have kept tally, right? We're probably <laughs> over a hundred at this point. Like you were just telling a story and you glossed over the fact that you have a pep band at, at the games, which yeah. is just unheard of for mm -hmm. baseball. Um, <laughs> How do you come up with those ideas? What does that idea culture look like in your business? Yeah. Well, again, this uh, influenced by Mike and Bill Veck. I mean, mm -hmm. ideas were everything. Uh, Mike Veck and, and Bill said, if the house was on fire, take one thing, our idea box. Mm -hmm. And so they had an idea box that had, they thought ideas, and I says, you know, ideas are currency, mm -hmm. but it's implementation will make you rich. Ideas, they thought was everything. And so we started back when I in Gastonia having an idea mm -hmm. box. And we'd throw ideas in the idea box, constantly throw them. I had an actual box. I think every company should have an idea box. So the question is, so we had the idea box, but how do you turn that into yeah. implementation? So what we started doing, and I gotta give 100% credit to our president, he goes, you know, we should do idea paloozas. And I was like, I love the name, so let's do it. I go, I don't know what it is, but let's do it. <laughs> and he said, we'll just all get together, we'll, we'll go through whatever ideas are in the idea box, and we'll talk about them, and we'll see what happens. Hmm. And so three, four years ago, we just started doing this, and we'd get together once a month, and, and we still do this. We get together once a month, we have some drinks, we have fun, it's on Thursday or Friday afternoon, and everyone has to put three ideas for the idea box. And it's usually themed out. So for instance, the last one we had was, um, we're doing the most ridiculous night in sports. That's gonna be a game this summer, which the idea is, we can't even imagine what came up in that. But they have to get three ideas towards that. And for an hour and a half, we'll talk. And it is, we break it down in a column, it's either yes, maybe, or no. And then we say, who's gonna own it? If it's a maybe, yeah. and they really want it, who's gonna own it and turn it into yes? And we put it fully on them. And some of our best ideas yeah. have come from that. Literally, we did scratch and sniff banana tickets. And it came from that idea. So like, like Barry came up with it, scratch and sniff banana tickets, and we started doing it. And a lot of these ideas come from that. And so they know every month, you better bring it, or bring in ideas. I love the fact that you talk about ideas, but there's also execution. Mm -hmm. You've got to have both. Yes. You know, you d define clarity of where are we going. Mm -hmm. You start executing against things, and you empower people to do it. That's when those management teams will outperform everybody else. And guess what? You are having fun as long as people are in their unique selves, if you will. Yeah. Talk to me about because your your personality, and and I can't say this with a straight face, just looking at this yellow tux, but like. Um, you are larger than life and um, at least your personality and like it exudes in the book etc but I'm assuming not everybody's ex a clone of you over there so let's talk about the the things that are uniquely different from people that are on your management team but that are common heartbeats that are similar 
Yeah, it's a great point. And Ben, who knows our team very well as well, um, yeah, we're all dramatically different. And I don't think anyone's near close to my energy and enthusiasm. No. We, were actually, we were just talking about that, right? Yeah. The different leadership styles with Jared and things yeah. like that. And every great company needs that. Mm-hmm. If we had 14, I mean, good luck. All right. I've never had I've never had a sip of coffee in my life. All right. And almost everyone on our staff comes to the office and has coffee. I don't know if it's just to be prepared to deal with me. I don't know what it is. But uh, that's what makes that's what makes it great. We all have a respect for each other. Uh, Jared, our president and Barry, our vice president, who are two of our top leaders, they are much more process, um, you know, process systems, more meticulous. You know, when I come in with a big idea, they pause. Mm-hmm. They, they, they register it. They talk. I'm just coming like this. I'm just going like this. And I think you need that. And I think the key is to understand what each's role is and what they're best at. I know for Jared, I'm like, I know we want to do this. I don't know the exact way to do this. Can you help execute this? Yeah. And that's how we work well. But I, I think I think you need a little, you just need a mix. You need mm-hmm. a bowl. And, uh, but the key for me is to permeate this um, idea culture, this experiment culture, this caring first culture. And... Let them say, hey, I want to do this. You guys, let's come up with ideas and how we're going to make it happen. And so I believe that quantity leads to quality. So I write down 10 ideas every morning. Hmm. So I've been doing this for three years. 9,000 terrible ideas and maybe 22 pretty good ones. Hmm. And But the reality is I will come in and share these and they'll say, Jesse, that's not good for right now. Let's do this <laughs> later. And But I'll tell you, the more we build this lens of ideas and experimenting, trying things, we get better. And I get asked this question, it's kind of things like, well, how if you have all these different things, you know, aren't you, you know, aren't you like failing a lot? I'm like, maybe, but we don't look at it like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's so many people are so scared of failure. I, I, you could say four years ago, we failed pretty miserably when we had to sell our house and empty out our savings account. We're sleeping on an airbed, mm-hmm. but we were now into the next, what's next? Yeah. What's next? And I think so many people just need to say, hey, let's keep trying things. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to get some things that work out really well. Mm-hmm. Some of our promotions, like, you know, we had a summer Santa. We've had, you know, we've given away, like I said, Portageons, colon cleansings. We've done some things that haven't worked unbelievably well, <laughs> but people move on. They're like, that's who you guys are. Right. And so that's where I just, I want our culture to always be saying, what are we doing to create something new, to create a better experience for our fans? As soon as our fans, and Jared says this best, he goes, you know, we want fans to come to the game and say, it just keeps getting better. And Emily, my wife, who's amazing with our customer experience, taking care of our says, every game is someone's first game. And if we continue to look at it that every game is someone's first game, we're going to continue to innovate, try new things, and not be afraid of someone to say, ooh, that failed, because we're on to the next. What's amazing, too, is Savannah isn't known as being a very temperate climate in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Humidity levels are fairly high. Temperatures are fairly high. Oh, it's brutal. And... You're dressed around in a tuxedo and a top hat, and then you've got people rolling into the stands, but they are, it sounds like they're breaking down the doors to get in on a hot, steamy summer night. And it, it's not, it, it, it transcends the uh, physical environment. There's something greater that makes them want to leave air conditioning or leave the beach to come. People are hungry for fun. People are hungry for a great experience. People will do anything for it. And that's the game I'm going to play. People say, oh, well, retail and everyone's looking at the convenience and the Netflix culture, sitting at home and letting everything come to them. Nah, people will do anything to get this Mm -hmm. amazing experience and fun. And our job is to give fun. And what I realize is when you give fun, you have fun. And so if I'm in this tuxedo, yes, 
I will, I mean, I used to be 225 pounds. I was a big guy when I played baseball, but I've lost almost all of that because <laughs> running around like this, doing 30,000 steps, our director of operation does between 50,000 and 60,000 steps a day. We are running wow. around in it to try to give a good experience for our fans. But people will sweat. People will, they don't care what they look like. They're just around 4,000 like-minded people that are here to have fun. Hmm. And my, my two favorite moments every game, uh, the first one is with Hey Baby, where we got 4,000 fans. I get on the dugout. You can probably search it on Google. And uh, I we all get all of our players on the dugout, and we're doing this Hey Baby dance. And 4,000 people, whether you're two years old or whether you're 82 years old, we're all dancing together. And it's one of the most beautiful, fun sights I've ever seen. And then at the end of the game, the game's over. It's 10.30 at night. The pep band's playing music. We're doing sing-alongs. I mean, they're, they're playing it all. And the players and us and everyone, the characters are all dancing with the fans and people don't want to leave. That is something that I think people are going to want forever. And yeah. we're going to keep trying to give it every well, it's, day. It's whatever's normal, do the exact opposite, <laughs> right? Which is, which is a huge aspect of what you do. But yeah. you're saying, okay, Amazon, Netflix, it's yeah. convenience. Yes. You're saying what's going to be the exact opposite. What are people missing in their life? And it's fun and entertainment yeah. and an experience that they're not going to get anywhere else. Yeah. It's the opportunity to be around other like, you know, human connection. We're going to be hungrier for that as we go on. People need this. They need the human connection. They need to feel yeah. like they can connect mm -hmm. with someone. And the more we get into this digital, social, mm -hmm. uh, email, we're losing that human connection. We feel yeah. like, oh, I'm connected to thousands of people. No, you're connected less, actually. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're trying to bring. That's what we know our secret sauce is, to bring people together in a fun way. And I think every company should continue. Yes, technology is an asset. But what can they do to bring more human connection? And that will make their company endure for many years. So I've, I've got a question on that because one of the things you do really well that we haven't even talked about in, it's been almost an hour, um, you are incredible about content, right? You've, you've got the book, you've got a podcast. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know this. You have put something out on social media for over two years, every single day for over two years at this point. So the amount of content, you're doing speeches all over the place. Yeah, that content aspect is huge. How does that play into uh, this fan's first brand? Because that's not the personal interaction per se. Share without wanting anything in return. Mm. And so for us, for myself personally, I said, I'm just going to start sharing this journey. I don't know all the answers, but I know what we're doing and I'm going to share it. And so, and I was scared at first. I think you may know this, but not other people know yeah. this. I wrote 159 blogs before I posted my first one. Wow. I was scared to put myself out there. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And same thing with the book. Putting a book out is a scary thing. And this is the guy, for everybody listening, that <laughs> runs through airports in a yellow tuxedo going from one uh, one spot to the next. Yeah, yeah. And good. he has that that scared of, of out, outside judgment, exterior judgment. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you think about, well, what will happen? You know, what if this, well, what if it works? What if it actually does good? We always say, what if something goes wrong? What if we fail? Well, what if it works? And so I said, oh, you know what? I'm just going to put it out and see what happens. Yeah. And I remember I started putting up blogs, and uh, no one's commenting. No one likes. I'm like, well, this is pretty bad. And it went weeks. <laughs> it went weeks. I was like, oh, it looks like myself and my dad listened to my podcast this week. You know, it was, it was, it was that bad. But again, I was doing this part of the journey. And again, what is your purpose? If your purpose is to, to, to learn, to grow, to get better, but also share without asking any return, I was winning. Yeah. And so now you play the long game. And again, so many companies like we got to get on social, we got to get on TikTok now, we yes. got to get on Insta, we got to do this because you're doing it because you feel like you have to get something out of it mm -hmm. instead of just do it to you know what I think I'm going to do it, but only if I can give without wanting something in return. So for me, for two and a half years, I've posted every single day. LinkedIn's been my main platform, yep. and I've been so fortunate to be booked speeches all over the world, but I've never once said book me to speak 
because that wasn't the goal. The goal was to share and add value. And now people have come up to me and say, hey, can we, you know, can we get you to come over and speak right. with us? And I think that's how any company can grow. But it's not looking at what is the revenue I can bring in this quarter. It's how many people can you impact and provide value to this quarter. Long-term fans over short-term profit. Right. And that fits so much synergy with my, my own brand and with our team. And that's why it's working so well together. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many times, and I know the answer to this, how many times do you talk revenue with your employees? <laughs> you know what's funny? This is probably bad. Probably what's, I don't know what's in our bank account yeah. right now. I don't know what our profit is now. I don't know what our revenue is now. But I know what, mm. what our fans are doing. Right. I know what our fans are saying. So um, we don't talk about that. Yeah. We don't talk about revenue. Um, we know that if we grow our fans and we focus on getting people to love us more than just kind of like us, the revenue will continue to yeah. grow. You're flipping the script. A hundred percent. And I, I think it's just, it's so easy because again, we're trained on that. But now we're just constantly focused on, again, love is better than like. Get people to mm. love you. Love your people. Love your fans. You know, and then everything else will take right because off. everything everything's going to follow because now you don't need to market yeah. right because your fans are it's word of mouth marketing yeah. they're the ones going out there bragging about you it, saying it, you wouldn't believe yes I understand now you have to have at least some business sense and business model of, I mean I just want course. I, 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 I want to say this in the sense that like when we eliminated free shipping all right people were like wait when you I mean when we eliminated shipping it made everything yeah. free. People were like, wow, you know, that's, that must be big. That must hurt you. Or when you're doing the all-you-can-eat tickets at $18, like, how are you doing that? Right. We had an idea. So I, our president said, all right, Jared, what would happen if we got rid of if all of our shipping? How much did we pay in shipping last year? And we do merchandise all over the world. We're very fortunate. And he was like, oh, we only did fifteen, you know, $20,000, $25,000. And, and our number, it was a very small percentage. So and maybe that seemed high, but it was a tiny percent. I mean, a couple percent of what our total merchandise. And I said... So if we don't sell any more merchandise, don't sell any more, we're just down 2%, I go, it's worth it. We'll win in the long game. Yeah. And so we looked at that. We looked at the all-you-can-eat tickets. Yeah. We said, all right, what's a burger cost? What's a hot dog cost? How many burgers and hot dogs can people eat in a given night? If someone has three burgers, three hot dogs, two sodas, all that, we're still going to be okay. Yeah. So you still have to have a mindset, but again, it's putting yourself... We thought, what is the best price for a fan? What's the best experience for a fan? And then can we reverse engineer that and, and make the cost work? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Southwest Airlines did. You, yeah, they said, we're absolutely. gonna keep the prices so low. And we said, we're gonna have to figure out how to do it. That's why they're famous for their 10 minute turn that they did back in the day. They had to sell one plane. They had only three planes and they had to keep the same amount of flights as they did when they had four planes. And they said, we need to do a 10 minute turn. Literally had the plane come in and leave within 10 minutes. And everyone said it was impossible. said, this is the only way the business can survive. And they, they found a way to do it. Exactly. So what's so for every business, what's your 10-minute turn? What's the best experience for your customer to give it a better price? And then what can you do to make the cost and work for your system, work for your team? So here's a question. Since you've eliminated uh, sponsorships and advertising. And events. We didn't mention that. We eliminated all the other events at the stadium as well. Oh, interesting. Because so you, that was hundreds of thousands as well. Sure. So people think we're cr really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just give a brief reference on The reason we did that, Gary, yeah. is because when we were selling all these events, we had Tap of the Morning Beer Festival because you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning, which was a fun little event. <laughs> we had food truck festivals. We had haunted stadiums. We had bananas 5Ks where people ran in bananas costumes. We had tons of events. But what we realized is we were doing something that frustrated our fans. The only way we could sell tickets to that is we had to advertise, advertise, advertise. Uh. And because we were doing that, that was taking away from the brand and that was causing some a friction point in our rate. So we don't want to be that way. So we eliminated hundreds of thousands of dollars there because we didn't want to be that way for our fans. So if a company, a local company or an advertiser wants to be part of this, but they can't advertise and they can't spend money with yes. you on that, 
What do we tell them? Yeah. It's very simple. I would say, yes, you could do 15, 20, $25,000 on a billboard on an advertising package with most sports teams. But we don't believe that's the future of marketing. We don't believe that's the future of creating fans. And so we would advise you not to do that. And you're not going to be able to do it with us. So if you want, here's an opportunity with us. We are teaching how to deliver the experience and get your customers to become fans and do all the marketing for you. So we have fans first workshops. Love so, it. So we're actually doing workshops at our stadium. We're doing keynotes all over the country. We are teaching how to get your customers to be the ones doing your marketing. Because I'll tell you right now, there's tons of ways to market. Digital, social, sure. but to put advertisement at a stadium, even if you're selling at every game like we're fortunate to do, is not the best use of your dollars. But to deliver an amazing experience for your customers and your people, that dollars will return yeah. and some. That's that's our uh, other option that we are giving. And businesses. think about that. The ROI on that is trackable. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what are you getting money when you spend. put out a, a, and spend twenty grand on yeah. a billboard uh, impressions, yeah. eyeballs? But what did that? Who knows? It's the great. Nobody's going to walk in and say I did business with you because I saw you on the outs <laughs> the outfield fence. Yeah. Right. It, 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 it's something we want to buy. And yeah. again, scratch your own itch. Do things that you like, like Simon Cowell said. Do things that you like that you would want to do. Put yourself in the own shoes. So you know, for us, we're always thinking if we're a B two B business, would we buy this? What would we do? And we're in the B two B business. We're mostly obviously B two C, but we actually consider everything F to F, fan to fan. So that's yeah. a whole different. Like, again, <laughs> back into language, we're fan to fan. But yeah. if you're a quote unquote B two B. You should be in the business of transforming other businesses. Yes, totally agree. Typical advertising does not transform business, but focusing on the experience and mapping it out and creating these you want to believe moments can transform business. We've seen it firsthand. That's what we believe in, and you should never sell something you don't believe in. And I see it every single day, and you can see it in the salesperson's face, you can hear it in their tone. If you're gonna sell something, believe in it. And I'll tell you when you do that, you never feel like you're selling again. And I've never felt in my 15 years like I sold one thing. I've just talked about something I love, I'm passionate, I've seen the impact it can do. So we're, we're bumping up on time. We could talk for hours. Um, but I wanna ask one more thing that I think is pretty unique to your business that, that we haven't hit on yet. You talked about ideal culture, you've talked about experience. One thing we haven't talked about is the the learning organization, right? You call yourself a learning organization, do a lot internally with your your primary fans, right? Your employees. Can you dive in on that a little bit? Because I think that could be a huge takeaway for some of the listeners. Again, it's very personal for me. Uh, you know, when I first came to GM at 23 years old, um, I didn't have any really direct mentors. Uh, I didn't have someone, you know, teaching me the way. Um, so I had to read. I just started reading every book I could. Mm. It's funny, I read more books probably my first month in Gastonia than I did my entire schooling career um, because it, there was such purpose. I couldn't pay myself the first three months in Gastonia. So I started realizing the impact. I read every book on marketing, customer experience. I read on, on creating great cultures. And I started doing book reports on it personally. I started writing mm. a full report so I could learn and really remember. So I said, you know, this has helped me. I want this to help our organization. And if every great organization, they're more focused on growing their people as people than what they can do for their company. And so I said, if we're gonna grow our people as people, this worked for me, let's try it. So we developed, we heard from uh, Arnie Malham, who has the Better Book Club, and it's an amazing platform online. Uh, $1 an employee per month, I think is what it is, and it has every book you'd imagine. And we pay our people to read. So literally, when you read a book, you answer four questions, favorite quote, favorite takeaway, something that fits our fans first culture, and how will this change what you do? And um, they answer it, and they get paid 50 bucks, 75 bucks, 100 bucks, and we've paid out thousands of dollars to our people because we believe that spending that money is much better than spend $6,000 send someone to a conference, but yeah. you read one book and actually report on it, it could have the same impact. 
And so now we've done that. Now we're doing uh, every month, we're doing a, a full book club. The whole team gets together Thursdays uh, at four o'clock every week. We do two chapters. Uh, speaking of Southwest, we're reading Nuts right now. Uh, mm. We're reading that again, which was a great story about the Southwest culture because it, it fits with us. And you see this engagement. People are getting obsessed with learning. Our fans first director last uh, quarter, she made a goal to do uh, 25 podcasts and do 25 reports on them. And I looked at it, she had 25 reports on podcasts, business podcasts. And so now all these people are, are getting obsessed with learning because they know that's how we stay obsessed with our fan experience because we have to get better every day. Yeah, no, I love it. Gary, you want to be selfish for anything else? Do you have any more or more questions you want to ask Jesse? Well, my face is hurting because I've been grinning the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish we, we're going to do another one of these. I can sure. guarantee you that. Um, I'm a huge fan. Didn't know about you until I got this book and heard about you and then I became a raving fan immediately. So thank you for being on here. Thanks for teaching us how to do business differently by example. You're not just preaching about it. You're not, but you're living it. And and I love even the humility of where you've been, the, the highs, the lows that you're willing to share even in the book. So anybody listening to this, uh, go to Amazon, buy, find your yellow tuxedo or find your yellow tux by Jesse Cole, um, and I think you'll have a blast doing it. And look at it from an open mind. You don't have to be in uh, in the sports arena to be creating raving fans. Yep, perfect. Jesse, any final thoughts? And then where can people find you? <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate you guys. And, and Gary, Ben has talked so much about you and, and that you have that same type of servant heart that's giving to everyone and helping. So I'm honored to be here to have this platform and uh, to share with you guys and, and the listeners. And you know, in the back of our Fans First playbook that we give out to everyone on our staff, our players, our coaches, we're very intentionally onboarding. It says on the back, it says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. Mm. And that's how we want to leave everyone that we work with and interact with. And that's, you know, uh, what you guys are doing today for giving me this opportunity. And to, for people to reach out, uh, if you search Yellow Tux, you'll find me anywhere. So search Yellow Tux, <laughs> you'll find me. Um, and I learned a great lesson when I was 25 years old. And I read uh, Mark Cuban's book. And I sent him an email that morning. Within an hour, he wrote back. And I was mm. blown away. I go, someone this busy wrote back. And it, it showed me a good lesson. So if anyone does have any questions, uh, reach out. I'd love to help in any way. Thank you so much. This has been fun. It has. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks guys.